Well, consumer spending surged in the month of April by its largest margin in five months, though income growth was lackluster. Analysts worry a continued drain on savings could put a sustainable recovery in jeopardy. The latest ISM report showing that manufacturing grew by more than expected in April, and it is uh, growing at the fastest pace in six years. Hello, and welcome to NPR's Planet Money Honey podcast. Today is May 4th. That was CNBC host, former Money Honey, Maria Bartiromo. You heard at the top. She figures heavily in today's podcast. I'm Alex Bloomberg, the new Money Honey. I'm Jacob Goldstein. And actually, Alex says, as I figure it, I'm actually the new Money Honey. I filled out all the forms. <laughs> all right, fine. You can be the Money Honey. This podcast will fill our listeners in what exactly we're talking about when we get into the program. We're going to talk about our plan to make a fortune selling golfware how changes in intellectual property law both help and hurt us, and how CNBC host Maria Bartiromo stands in our way. But first, of course, the Planet Money Indicator. It's a dollar and 31 cents, Alex. Uh, that's how much it costs to buy one euro today. And it's the cheapest the euro has been in about a year. A lot of that, of course, has to do with Greece. Greece is broke. It has a big debt payment coming due, which it won't be able to make without a bailout from the European Union and the IMF. And it's not just Greece, uh, Portugal, Spain, Ireland, Italy, they're, they're all in dire fiscal condition. And that means that people are worried about the European currency. The euro. Our very own Hannah Jaffe Walt is going to be traveling to Greece tomorrow, and we'll be covering this situation on the podcast and on the radio in the days and weeks to come. But not today. Because today, Jacob, we talk about a quest that you and I have been on over the last couple of weeks to take our rightful place in the pantheon of economics media personalities. The pantheon of attractive economics media personalities, <laughs> right. Alex. Uh, here's the story. Uh, Maria Bartiromo decided recently to abandon her trademark on the term money, honey. Bartiromo, for those few of you who don't spend your days watching financial television, is a host on CNBC. Uh, she got the nickname Money Honey during the late 1990s because she knows a lot about the financial world and she's kind of a honey. And the nickname stuck. And back in 2007, she trademarked the term Money Honey. Uh, she talked about using the term to brand a TV program to teach kids about money. But earlier this year, she soured on that idea and let her trademark lapse. Here she is talking to the website TV Newser about it. She's at a trade show, so there's noise in the background. I probably will not be using the Money Honey name. I did get some pushback about that um, in terms of teaching kids about money. But that was always my goal in terms of creating an animated product to teach kids about money because I am really uh, a believer in the fact that we don't teach our kids about this stuff. Wait, an animated program teaching kids about money? I, I thought that's what... I thought that's what we were. <laughs> my, my wife heard about this, and she said, you guys should register the trademark for Money Honey. It's free now, and it would be perfect for you at Planet Money. Sounds simple, but it actually turns out that when you wade into the world of intellectual property, nothing is simple. Now, Jacob, you took the lead on this, and you actually did apply for the trademark to Money Honey using your own name. So just first, talk us through, how did you do that? So I went on the internet. <laughs> I found the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website. Under trademarks, they have this link that says file forms online, filled out a bunch of forms. And, you know, it started out easy name, email, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then, then I got to this section called goods and services. Right. And um, this is the section that sort of flummoxed us and, 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 and made us realize that 
actually, we don't really know what a trademark is. <laughs> I, at least I didn't. I thought you could just trademark the words money, honey. And then I had some vague notion that we would trademark money, honey, and just somehow profit from it. Like that whenever anyone used the phrase money, honey, we could collect royalties or something. Yeah, it's not that way at all. A, a trademark doesn't really exist by itself. You have to do something with it. This goes back to the whole original point of trademark, which is basically that if consumers buy some brand of product, they should know what they're getting. I make a brand of soap. I call it ivory soap. If I've trademarked the name ivory, that means no one else can make a soap called ivory. So if you buy ivory soap, trademark law ensures that you'll get the original ivory soap. And what that means for us is that you can't just trademark money, honey. You have to tell the patent office what you're going to use the trademark for. Like, are you going to make money, honey beach towels or a magazine called money, honey, or a brand of honey called money, honey, honey, which I mentioned coming <laughs> in a green jar. <laughs> right. So, so there I was on the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website. I had to come up with something to put our trademark on. And this is actually a little bit complicated. There are all these categories and classifications and ID numbers, and generally you need a lawyer to make sure you're filling out the application correctly. I, I didn't have time for that. And so I looked at what Maria Bartiromo had put on her trademark application. And she'd actually registered a bunch of different uses for Money Honey, uh, obvious stuff like for games and toys and websites. Uh, but she also registered for non-metal coin banks, beverage squeeze bottles sold empty, and meal trays. Uh, so, so the one out of all this stuff that seemed most appropriate for us was the application that included hats, headbands, and visors, uh, basically because I'm super into visors. So that's what you did. You filled it all in, paid the $325 fee, and now if you go to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website and search the marks, that's what insiders call trademarks, you will see the Money Honey application belonging to you, Jacob Goldstein, and our trademark is applicable to all, quote, baseball caps and hats, headbands against sweating, and visors. Uh, we've even got our own serial number, 85009258. That's the serial number we're going to retire on. <laughs> Planet Money, Money Honey Visors. Hello, beachfront property. Well, not so fast. We talked to an intellectual property lawyer, Brian Darville, and he told us that just because Maria Bartiromo abandoned her trademark and just because we filled one out and had it accepted, we still can't start selling our visors free and clear. Maria Bartiromo might still have a way to block us, something called common law rights. Let's say she applied to register for visors. She filed an intent-to-use application. She's let it lapse. She never used it on visors. She does not have any trademark rights in connection with Money Honey for visors. Now, if she used it on other goods, related goods, say, for example, T-shirts, then she might be able, she would have common law rights in connection with the mark for T-shirts, and she could probably, with those common law rights, stop you from using Money Honey on visors because they're related goods. Oh, wait, you're telling me even if we register, so she let it lapse and we could go ahead and register, but even if we did, we, wouldn't, we still wouldn't be the Money Honey? No, you could you could register it, and you could be the the money honey. But I'm, what I'm saying is, you need to also think about well, is she still using the marks? In which case, she still may have rights. So, if Bartiroma had used the trademark to make T-shirts, she could stop us from using Money Honey to make visors because they're related goods. People could get confused about who actually made the visors, us or Bartiroma, and that's the whole point of trademark to prevent consumer confusion. We, we did some research, and as far as, as far as I could figure out, 
Bartiromo never actually made anything with the money, honey name on it. So it seems like we're clear on that common law rights thing. But then there's another issue, this legal issue called the right of publicity. Uh, here's Brian Darville again. The right of publicity statute in New York, for example, pr prohibits the use of somebody else's name, portrait, or likeness uh, for commercial purposes. And usually comes up in an advertising context where somebody wants to use some famous person's name uh, or likeness in advertising a commercial product. So, so in other words, if we if we wanted to like do uh, you know the the Planet Money Money Honey uh, visors and we wanted to sell them on our website, Maria Bartiromo could come forward and say everybody knows that when you say money, honey, you're talking about me, and so you guys have to stop or else pay me some pay me some of the proceeds. Uh, she she may be able to do that. I mean, it would it would turn on the facts, but that would be something. She is known as the money honey, and so I think... <laughs> well, uh, for now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But uh, I, I think uh, that would be something you'd have to think about, and you, you know, you'd want to you'd clear that right before proceeding, or at least recognize that if you proceed without doing so, you're, you're, you're at least taking that risk. So, Brian Darville said the best thing to do would be to talk to Maria Bartiromo and get clearance from her to start making visors, and we did reach out to both Maria Bartiromo and her lawyer, but they both declined to talk to us for this story. That that was a pretty big blow because, you know, this right of publicity, it, it may sound like some little detail, but, but it's a real issue. I mean, you can own the trademark on something and still get sued by someone claiming their right of publicity is being infringed. I talked to another lawyer, Marsha Hoover, who told me that the right of publicity can even live on after somebody is dead. Elvis. Let's use Elvis as an example. Um, you, you want to sell something, uh, and you think it would be really great to name your, let's say your cocktail lounge, you know, the Elvis bar. Um, Elvis, were he alive, would then take issue with that because he would say, look, I have the right to control the use of my name and my image, and you are using it in a commercial way, and therefore you violated my publicity right. What if my name is Elvis and I want to open a bar and call it the Elvis Bar because that's my name? Could uh, Elvis Presley still say, no, I own your name. You cannot name mm -hmm. your bar after yourself. Um, again, I think that you would have an uphill battle against the people who protect the Elvis rights. So... Uh, so that th this this part of the conversation does not seem to augur well for our dream of selling money honey visors. Well, I can't give you an opinion until I actually, you know, search it out. But I would say that if publicly uh, people recognize money honey as relating to Maria, and that seems to be the hypothetical here, then I'd say you might want to consider a different type of visor, a Bob Edwards, maybe. <laughs> so... Is she saying that if I want to start a bar without any pictures of Elvis Presley in it, and I want to start it today, over 30 years after the death of Elvis Presley, and my name is Elvis, I still can't call my bar Elvis's because I'll get sued by Elvis's estate? If you do it in the state of Tennessee, yes. <laughs> and, and it turns out when you talk to intellectual property lawyers, they love telling right-to-publicity stories. I talked to this other guy, a law professor from Duke University named James Boyle, and he told me all these right-to-publicity stories. I got a ton. I got a ton. Johnny Carson sued someone who had a business making and delivering portable toilets. This gentleman's business name was Here's Johnny Portable Toilets. 
gentleman also described himself as the world's foremost commodian. Mr. Carson, however, was not amused and successfully sued, even though, of course, the phrase, here's Johnny, was something that he didn't say. It was said by Edmund Mann about him. And even though you might think it was a rather general term, the court held that his rights of publicity had been infringed. Jacob, I love these stories. Can we have another one? Oh, yeah. So let's do the classic right to publicity story, the one that everybody mentions. Vanna White uh, sued Samsung Electronics when they ran an advertisement which was purportedly set in the future, 2020, 2030. And the theme of the, the advertisement was that in the future, many things would have changed, but Samsung would still be selling great electronics. The way in which they portrayed the future was that they had a game show, and the game show hostess was a robot wearing a tight evening dress and wearing a blonde wig. Ms. White sued them, claiming that the idea of blondness and tight evening dressness and letter-turningness was, in fact, the very essence of the platonic ideal that is Vanna White. And the court agreed and said that this was infringing her right of publicity, despite the fact that her name was never used. And as one of the dissenting judges pointed out, there are a lot of blonde women who wear tight clothes in California. Right. So this dissenting judge, Alex Kaczynski, had a bunch of other great lines like that as well. He wrote that an advertiser would often have to deal with, quote, people with a wholly exaggerated sense of their own fame and significance. Future Vanna Whites might not get the chance to create their personae because their employers may fear some celebrity will claim the persona is too similar to her own. And James Boyle, the law professor, definitely sides with Judge Kaczynski on this. It's terrible. It's utterly ridiculous. The cases have gone way beyond their original common sense basis, which is, of course, somebody else shouldn't be able to imply that X celebrity endorses their product, to actually become some kind of right to control the way my image is put forward or things associated with my image or nicknames that other people have come up with me. It's actually a we're giving celebrities a right, a property right to police their images because it really, the right has really got out of control. And of course, all of us would love to be able to have a property right to control our images and to say, no, well, you can't say that about me and you can't use my most common nickname because I own my nickname. So of course, celebrities want that right. And of course, the First Amendment doesn't allow them to have it. So these rights of publicity cases, the doctrine is now on steroids. It's gone way, way, way beyond what it was originally designed to do. And, and this is something which which is obviously at odds with the First Amendment. We haven't had the great right of publicity First Amendment case yet, um, but we will, I think, in the in the future. Wow. So we started with a plan to make money on visors, and it turns out to actually enact it, we might have to go all the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah, and it's totally, totally <laughs> worth it. I'm not afraid of Maria Bartiromo. I'm not afraid of her lawyers, and I believe in the visor. <laughs> I'm with you, man. All right, let's do it. We can call some visor manufacturers later today, hire a Supreme Court attorney. Hey, guys, guys, guys. Hey. Oh. Hey, hey, Adam. Hey, guys. I was listening outside. We're actually in the middle of the podcast here, is it? No, no. This is related to the podcast. Um, Jacob, I think I have some very bad news. The uh, the visors are dead. No, no. The visors are totally alive. Uh, we, we we go to the Supreme Court. It's, we got it all <laughs> no, nailed no, down. No, no. It's not the legal thing. I was with you on the legal thing. I was with you going about the Supreme Court. But Hannah and I had this conversation with uh, with two people who were actually who we met in Haiti. They're, they're clothing manufacturers. They know everything about the apparel industry, the marketing and manufacturing of apparel and clothing. It's uh, Mesh Gelman and Elizabeth Brown are their names. They're with Blanket America. And they 
absolutely convinced us that visors are not the way to go. I hate visors. <laughs> Why? I don't know. They kind of remind me of those like those those visors, like the plastic things that are red and green Too and preppy. plasticky. Too wet? Too preppy. I don't understand where the visor thing came from. I mean, honestly, who wears visors? Nobody wears on visors? Tennis courts wear visors. That's the, only, the only place I see people wearing visors is on, like, a tennis court. I guess what... Was Jacob thinking, like, accounting or something? <laughs> I can like, picture I Jacob yeah. in a visor. I think that's why. <laughs> yeah. Why visors, though? Who, I actually don't know. T-shirts. Yeah. Why well, T-shirts? You walk around the city, and how many people are wearing visors or walk around anywhere? How many people are wearing T-shirts? Everybody. A lot of people are wearing T-shirts. In the gym. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's it's interesting or it says something. It's expressive about who you are. And, and like Planet Money, we want to reach kind of everybody, every kind of person. It doesn't need to be you someone. Want to reach your, you want your audience. More, most likely your audience is going to buy the T-shirt. So what's going to be most interesting to your audience? You think we have a T-shirt wearing audience? If it's made somewhere interesting. Oh, it matters where it's made. Where it's made. It has more meaning. They want, they want a meaningful T-shirt. So, Jacob, I have a confession to make. I, I, I don't even want to know. I uh, actually talked to Adam about this. He, he told me about this visit. And um, we talked it over, and we actually have a new idea. And I think it's a better idea, and we're, and we're serious about uh. it. So, Jacob, let me get you excited about this and hopefully the Planet Money audience. I have been on the phone in the last week. I've talked to a farm economist in Texas who explained to me about the whole cotton industry and all the dramatic changes it's going through. I've talked to experts in thread manufacturing, cloth and fabric manufacturing, T-shirt construction, international trade experts, marketing and brand consultants. And here's the idea. And this is for real. We are going to make a Planet Money t-shirt, but we're not going to do what everyone else does in public radio and everywhere else. Just, I don't know, order some company to give us t-shirts. We are going to follow every step of the process. When we say make a t-shirt, we are going to make a t-shirt. We're going to go to farms. I'm deciding, you know, right now we're deciding, do we go to Texas where cotton is grown or do we go to California where apparently a little bit of a nicer quality cotton is grown? Do we go to Mississippi where cotton is not so much grown anymore? Then we're going to go to thread manufacturers. We're going to visit China. China and maybe Bangladesh or Honduras, we are going to study the T-shirt industry from the bottom up as we make our T-shirt. And we're going to talk to marketers who will help us sell it. And we're going to bring you, the Planet Money listeners, along for the ride. And in fact, we're going to need your help on future podcasts. We're going to tell you how you can help. All right. So, so you sold me. I'm, I'm ready to give up my dream to pick up the pieces of my broken heart. But, but what about the whole money, honey thing? Yeah, you can keep it. You're the money, honey, Jacob. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so uh, with that, I think, uh, I think that does it for us here at Planet Money. Uh, please send us your thoughts, comments, questions on visors and anything else uh, to planetmoney at npr.org. And check out uh, Jacob's stylings on the blog, npr.org slash money. You can see our trademark application as well as get links to that funny trademark case with the dissent by Judge Kaczynski. And you can get links to James Boyle, who's written and thought a lot about intellectual property. I'm Alex Bloomberg. I'm Jacob Goldstein, Planet Money, Money, Honey. And I'm Adam Davidson, Crusher of Dreams. Thank you for listening.
back when no what you want with me I said 